Welcome to Music on the Edge's second podcast. Um, our last podcast looked at uh, the beauty of silence in as part of music. But today we're going to go out on to location. I'm up in London at the moment and I'm going to go on an expedition into the wilds of the West End. And it's a secret location, but a place where um, creativity happens. So uh, what I'm going to do is sort of an undercover story and the sort of a pun on the cover story. So, um, and really it's to, these pods, uh, broadcasts or recordings are really focused on the things behind the music of Music on the Edge and what we get up to. Um, and it's going to be a delight for me to introduce the listeners, you, your lovely listeners, my lovely listeners, to a real creative force uh, for some of Music on Edge's work over the last few years. Um, and I'll get en route now down to the West End, um, very close to Cambridge Circus and Seven Dials. And um, so we're going to have a little commute now. Uh, and when I press the record button again, I'll have a very special guest with me. Okay, welcome to the uh, to the West End of London. And I just to give you a little bit of background phrase. Um, first of all, I want to welcome you to this podcast. And what I'd like to do is introduce Fraser Mar. Hello, so, thank hello you. <laughs> thank you. And um, this is literally the second podcast Music on the Edge has ever presented, and you're our very first special guest. So you've got this, uh, I should have a drum roll and a trumpet fanfare. To maybe you can overdub you. that later. Yeah, maybe we'll give it a go. I'm still in the uh, embryonic stages of knowing how to edit, overdub and all of that. So it's a warts and all, all production at the moment. But that sort of uh, keeps the, the truth of um, what yeah. being creative is all about, where you, we, we edit in the bad bits. <laughs> no, we're sort of at that stage. But just to give you a little bit of background... Um, with Music on the Edge um, and our activities, it's been a variety of groups, of which Delta Sax has been one, but there have been wind quintets part of that. There've been, uh, we were chatting about the Mike Westbrook Big Band just recently when, yep. I, when I came in and saw you. And uh, Pete Wyman uh, has just been out in Sicily performing with the Mike Westbrook, Mike Westbrook Big Band. Years ago, I was lucky enough to play with Mike too. And for a while, I even managed him. But that's... Wow. That would be over a few later podcasts, I think, right. uh, because that was quite an adventure in itself. But um, with our concerts, etc., usually I'm the spokesperson to give uh, the musicians a rest and uh, give a little bit of background information to where we've got to with our music and why we might have presented a certain piece or if it's been a new commission, etc. So it's giving that subscript to the music. And... What I thought was to um, take this further was with our uh, productions and our CDs and getting our stuff out there, um, it would be nice to be able to introduce some of the back room team, but who are just as important of right. making our product uh, look attractive on the shelves um, and also have a narrative to like with our music 
trying to give a narrative and extra bang for your buck, if you want. So, um, so that's why I invited you in. Um, so, Fraser, I've called it the under, an undercover story because we're in a very secret location here, which we're not going to reveal. No, in the bowels yes. of the West End. That's right. And um, I sort of got lost on Seven Dials and turned around three times and closed my eyes. And I've ended up now in a place where I can smell the grease paint <laughs> and I can smell the creativity. And it's amazing when you're in a building which has real history um, and is a creative space, how creative buildings and places attract creative people. Um, sometimes for work, sometimes for play, sometimes a combination of play and work. And this is where I bumped into you, in one of these creative yeah. places. So, um, and I talk about grease paint. And when I first bumped into you, you were never far away from a little notebook and a sketch pad, but you weren't sketching with crowns or pencils. It, what you, you had something more live to it. Do you, so maybe give me a little bit of background to your creativity. Of, in terms of the, my technique. Uh, why, why, why have you got your sketchbook? In, in, you know, when you, why do you bring that to work, along with your I, iPhone? Um, I bring a sketchbook with me because I always keep a sketchbook nearby. Yeah. Um, and it's a sort of visual diary of my day-to-day, or maybe week or month-to-day. Yeah. Um, just events, things that I've come to mind or things that have inspired me or somebody who I've met might make me think of something I want to make an, a visual note of. Um so to be uh, named in your diary or your sketchbook, like was it Kenneth Williams who said, "I'll name you in my diary," which was sort of a threat. <laughs> you, would you ever use your sketchbook as a threat? I don't know if I'd use it as a threat. I might be an on, a, well, an inverted honour. An inverted honour, great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I've have. Uh, in fact, I have, and he's completely taboo now. But I have a Rolf Harris drawing in one of my sketchbooks really? because he came to. Uh, the stage door one day to visit yeah. a friend. Really? And uh, now it's on the page you don't want to show to anyone. Which is a shame, isn't yeah. it? Because obviously the background to the Rolf Harris and actually um, Jimmy Savile and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, it was part of my childhood growing up watching the television and um, Rolf Harris was one of the first artists you could see actually doing Definitely. Uh, like a ske- yeah. sketches on the Sunday. Do you know what it is yet? Was yeah. sort of, you know, and it, that was, no, I didn't most of the time. And I was sort of. But Even when the, it was finished. Uh, well, <laughs> most of the time I could get it then. And, I, and I'm thinking of Hart as well. Um, and uh, those, there was sort of a lot of art, wasn't there, going on in television yeah. in, in real time where. They couldn't even cover up the hiccups if they made any hiccups. No, and you used to have Quentin Blake on Blue Peter drawing right. yeah. fairly live, I should think. Yeah, I think it was all live. Yeah. And, uh, and that sort and, of disappeared in, in today a yeah. little bit, hasn't and it? And I have provided an animation for Tony Hart. Have you? In my brilliant. student days. Brilliant, brilliant. So, OK, you've mentioned student days. So um, what was your... I'm not going to take you way back into those dreadful O-levels and things like that, but no. once you... I'm going to drag you out of school when it got good, you know. Okay? Right. Um, and what, what did you end up... So when you left school, what did you end up doing? So I... First of all, I went to Middlesex Polytechnic, as it was then, before it was a university. Yeah. Um, and did a foundation course in art there. Brilliant. Which is where you 
kind of do a bit of everything yeah. to hone your direction, I guess, yeah. into what degree path you'd take. And then from there, I couldn't get in anywhere for three years. Um, and then I got into St. Martin's to do graphic design right. um, and specialised in illustration. So I guess the three years paid off. That sounds like they did. What a great... And in those days, it meant I was just old enough to claim a full grant then because yeah. I was classed as a mature student. Yeah. So it worked out well for me in the days when your fees were paid and yeah. you could get money. I was lucky enough actually to be at Music College when still my county paid my tuition fees and also there was a maintenance grant you could claim. Yeah. And in between times, um, in uh, Christmas holidays, I used to work for the post office and that's when Those you were the get, days, yeah, yeah, when you'd have a Christmas job. Oh, let's, at listen to these two chaps harking <laughs> back to the good old days. The early 80s. Yeah, that's right, okay. It's nice with the Middlesex, I didn't realise you were there because um, two people we've worked a lot with with uh, Music on the Edge and the Delta Sax Quartet. Um, one was Colin Smith, who was an original member of the saxophone quartet, and now we often go to Colin's studio to do some recording, which is down in Soho, so very close to here. And also um, Colin has written as a piece to go to uh, as part of Project Flicks, which you've been involved right. in the, uh, the advertising side of it and the graphic side of it. Colin is one of the composers who's written a piece to accompany the nuclear bomb going off. So that was nausea, where the uh, American GIs were watching the tests in Arizona. And, and then going and walking through... Walking through the debris. Yeah, afterwards and say, that's fine. Yeah. And also, the person who's done all our mixing and mastering of our CDs is, uh, is um, John Winfield. And John was at Middlesex. Right. So I, I even wonder if uh, your, your paths crossed there on, um, on the campus. But anyway, we can find that out later. But it's a nice, yeah. nice little link up, you know, so... Uh, Small um, world. It is. Um, maybe we can sort of um, go into what you... Obviously, I've said how we've met. And then we've dragged you into various projects. Kicking and screaming. Yeah, and not really. <laughs> Out of and, the shadows. And a bit like this podcast, we've never really had... Um, we've had an idea. And very often when you've joined the idea, we've been at a very embryonic stage of where we're at what we're doing. It hasn't, we haven't come to you with all the music recorded and said, OK, Fraser, now we'd like a cover. Yeah, which is very unusual to be involved that early on and actually be part of... The creative the, process, yeah. absolutely that. Normally, yeah. as you say, I would be told when everything's finished... You've to got provide ten days something. Yeah. to get this, because it's suddenly going to press, etc., isn't it? So it's, and it's been fun for us um, to have the input with you... At, and watching something develop as our music was developing. And, yeah. uh, and you've really gone with the ebbs and flows of how a project has been put together. Yeah, um, and in a way, for me, that was an amazing freedom to have and sort of quite a curse as well because it's hard to remain focused. And I did just scribble endlessly. I saw and some then, great scribbles. Yeah, and then have to edit yeah. that but in the modern age of computers, you can just layer those together. So obviously you're creating all of your work still with a paintbrush. Or, and a fountain pen. And I tend to draw with a fountain a pen. Fountain. Not a quill. Not a quill. No, but okay. uh, a I do use an, an unusual Japanese 
uh, pen, which is like a fountain pen, but it has yeah. a great big long nib that it's bent. I think it's called a fude. A fude? A fude yeah, nib. Okay, great. Fude. Uh, yeah. With the, obviously, I, all I've seen is your, your sketches here. And then when you're taking them into the digital world, so it's a bit like our recordings where we're blowing air down an instrument and all the... That's, and then it gets digitalized, I suppose. Is that the, is that the yeah. correct term? Digitized, digitalized. I don't know what the term is. Anyway, put onto you know, something which can be edited yeah. in a certain way. How do you feel with your work? Are you one that would... When, you've got, when you're going with a narrative and you're painting away or uh, scribbling away... And you know there's a feel about it. You say you could say that for us would be the take you want to go with, but there might be a couple of imperfections in that take. Are yeah. you of the sort where you'd go in to fix the imperfections if you could digitally, or would you leave it there? I think my drawings are full of imperfections, and it's part that well, that's not really for me to say, but the part of the charm of them yeah. is um, they're quite badly drawn. Um, disagree with that <laughs> and it's hard I found in the past before I used a computer that I'm quite a keen doodler and sketcher yeah. and then to take that to a finished piece yeah. it would repeating the same thing, redrawing it yeah. to a finished degree, would, you'd lose the immediate immediacy yeah. of it, so the computer for me has been a, a massive turning point really that I can take all those things and either cut bits out yeah. and stick them together yeah. or just layer them or put them in different areas or move them around and resize them and have you found that aspect has actually then been, become a creative process and it's given you new fresh ideas when you've suddenly layered things yeah and I mean I kind of worked in a way layering things and kind of collaging things in a slightly cubistic manner in the past yeah. Yeah. but that meant redrawing things yeah. to get a finished thing whereas this there's almost not a finished thing anymore yeah it's still going and, isn't and it? there's something there and so on the one hand digitizing it takes something away but it, the possibilities it gives are quite endless and that can be a problem as well knowing when to stop or when sure. to stop editing when enough's yeah. enough and you shouldn't keep tinkering. Yeah, sort of. Uh, no, you're right. It's interesting because obviously when we're recording, there is an end game because the money runs out for the studio. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sort of, okay, that's it. And then we've got our back bag of recordings. And that's when we go to John Winfield, I've mentioned before, and say, okay, we've got to put this into a shape that works. And then, which was a lovely process with, with you when we were recording the Bowie, Berlin and Beyond CD for Delta Sax Quartet. Um, I could send you some of the music takes before they were the finished takes. So this was the joy of digital in a way. Yeah. I could email those files to you and you could have a listen and go, oh, I didn't actually know it was going to be going in that direction. Yeah, and, and it, they, yeah. You know, they were surprising how some of the... Um, how they were interpreted yeah. or even free-formed and yeah. freestyled and that would, yeah, that would change how I was thinking. And, yeah, I did go around in big circles and... Yeah. And I think everything I thought was set in stone, that's what I'm doing. None of that's on the cover in the end. 
it's funny, isn't it? Because I've, I've seen your journey with that. And um, we had a moment when uh, you wanted to buy some barbed wire for uh, this Bowie Berlin and beyond. And this is what I loved about it, where you were inquisitive. And suddenly you hooked on a certain picture, a famous picture of an East German soldier um, jumping, hopefully, to... To, uh, over before the war was being built, it was yeah. just barbed wire, wasn't it? It was just before. Yeah, and a uh, soldier defects. A famous war went up, that's right. And um, I mean, there's a whole subscript to his story, which is quite sad, but you were sort of, yeah, suddenly you saw the, the form of a barbed wire, which was yeah. in a pattern, but it wasn't in a perfect pattern, because yeah. barbed wire isn't. It's curled around. And you were, I watched you play with this little. Yeah, and in the photo, it looks like he's dancing as well. He's sort of yeah. quite graceful, the way he's skipping over the... Yeah, and actually he's legging it. Yeah, and I mean, going, oh in, not God. in that moment, it's, yeah. yeah, he's running as fast as he can. That's right, and leaving his family and all yeah. of the emotion. And, uh, and then you even went to the detail, because the East German hat, the army hat he was yeah. wearing, we even uh, had an eBay moment of purchasing a, yeah. a replica. That's the real thing. From oh, nine, it's the real it's, thing, is it? Um, from, it's vintage. Yes, it's the, I think it's from their last issue. Oh, is it? Just before the wall came down. So it's late 80s, I think. Yeah. And um, it's interesting with that because you're playing with imagination, but you felt you wanted some uh, physical forms to. Yeah, and I, your... I did imagine having your, having your photos taken oh, yeah. for, group, for, for a portrait. And then, um, yeah, that was as a tribute to the low cover. cover. I imagined yeah. everyone. Um, in a side view, yeah, against a cloudy background, but wearing this well, East maybe, German hat. Maybe when we go vinyl, this can be the moment for that. What do you think? Because um, yeah. with with creating CDs, and just to say, uh, Fraser's been involved with two of our CDs uh, for Delta Sax Quartet. Um, the first one was Crimson, which was a, a sax quartet with the jazz pianist uh, Gwilym Simcock. Um, revisiting some of King Crimson's works and also one of his own and that was on Basho Records and then we had following on from Crimson we had this Bowie Berlin and beyond and uh, and with that um, Fraser's been involved with both of the covers for these CDs and it was lovely how you actually had a little link with the Bowie Berlin and beyond and Crimson yeah. you linked the two CDs cleverly you were a magpie to your own work and you oh, borrowed yeah. your own work. It's good to recycle. It recycled is <laughs> quite a minimalist technique. I think Bowie would have enjoyed that reusing of material. Yeah, he's definitely time... revisited his own um, songs and played the same tune backwards on different albums. And at this time, this with the Berlin years, it was because obviously he was being influenced by the minimalist composers, particularly um, Philip Glass. And then the ambient, uh, Brian Eno. Um, and so this sort of, uh, in this society now, recycling and using again. I, yeah. I, li I like, or quoting as a jazz player, very often you have your own, call it licks in jazz. You yeah. can steal other people's licks and requote them back, or you can create your own licks. And yeah. uh, that's your house style in a way, and you quote that. I mean, is that something you've done in your work? Uh, yes, and especially now, yeah. with the kind of digital work, yeah. you can kind of borrow drawings, earlier drawings that may have been used elsewhere. Yeah. In, I mean, obviously, you wouldn't 
just use the same Finnish thing for yeah. another person, that might cause some offence. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a set of marks that are my marks. I'm sure other people see their marks as something lovely. they've done. Yeah. Just um, just thinking of the vinyl idea. Obviously, as a graphic artist or creating art which fits onto a CD, you're restricted by a very small size there. And obviously, when we think back to the covers of vinyl, it was a really lovely, lush template to work from. Have you found that a restriction? Or you mentioned uh, your Japanese pen. I mean, you could say Japanese art quite often is into the minute detail and the miniature. Yeah. Um, and, and real going into the motive. Could you, can you see a cover of a CD sort of channeling your thoughts? Or is it, oh, God, I wish this could be bigger? I th- yeah, I don't know if I think I wish it could be bigger because yeah. I do, when I'm working, I do have in mind from the beginning and also I think um, I just missed out on being able to do something for vinyl so I've never don't give up yet because we no, but, it's but, something we're going to look at yeah. but in my working career yeah. you know, it's, it's been CDs the yeah. only thing I've had the opportunity to design for sure. so I've just kind of thought at that size but yes I do I would look forward to being able to make something bigger and, yeah, you know, the types being legible because it's a size that a human eye can actually focus on. Yeah. I mean, I would like that because even the pleasure of, like, holding a book and rather than an audio book and even the smell of, yeah. smell of a book and, and a, having yeah. a CD versus a, your, your 33... Yeah. LP, but you know, and it's it was nice that sometimes you know that they were printed on different card, and some might be glossy, or some might be something yeah. else, or some might even be textured. Yeah, I remember having a George Harrison record. That I don't think the record's that exciting, but the cover almost feels like orange peel. Right. So, uh, so I like that because, in a way, having this little podcast is the background. It's sort of the lack of space we've got on a CD. Yeah, um, there, maybe on a big album there could have been more information put on there, and that's in a way, yeah, for, for us getting our message out uh, through words rather than pictorial letters is is a sort of way of looking at going. But I think I think vinyl would be a fun thing. Yeah, and I think it that yeah, my approach would be different. It wouldn't just be the same thing blown up. I think it might either expand. To the be, space be a, a new template for you yeah. to say, okay, that's your space. That's, that's really I mean, it. Will use or build on that, but yeah. I think, yeah, use those little nuggets to, yeah. to grow something. And what do you think for the future? Because obviously, um, now suddenly CDs are becoming things that uh, a certain generation uh, yeah. will not buy. Someone did say to me, Why you do it? Two years ago, I think, yeah, CDs that's so old school, yeah, and I still thought, Well, they're new, yeah, and uh, so what. It, where would that leave a graphic designer and an artist? How, how are we going to... Because we've played off your input into our um, performances, even. You know, having that your pictures in our mind have changed our approach to, to the music um, because you've been yeah. part of that career. What, how are we going to secure this relationship now we've got with you for the future, Fraser? Because... Um, I'm it? relying heavily on the revival of vinyl then, I think. Okay. <laughs> Have we got to look backwards to go forwards? 
Um, or I think there might be some. There might, there will something will happen. That will change, in the same way that when CDs came out, nobody really saw digital happening. No. Yeah, something different or multimedia. It will be come one thing so, somehow. I think. Right. We'll have, we'll have to sort of try and keep yeah. up with the crowd on that one. Yeah. So and go back to a younger generation to. Because at the moment it's sad, isn't it? Those little squares that you see where you can't really tell when you look on iTunes or something. Yeah. You just get a tiny little. Oh, uh, it's a thumbnail, but it's, yeah. it's not even the size of a thumbnail. So you can't read what it says if it no. says anything, and, that, and it I mean, pixelates out yeah. if you blow the. I think a few up. people have cleverly redesigned Craftwork. Have oh. redesigned all their catalogue covers. Yeah. I see. Okay. Into very small, clever so things that work that size. Um, so we'll, we'll have to yeah. we'll have to sort of look at ways of making now I'm aware that you've given your free time here so I'm just going to sort of um, wind, wind down and I've just got a couple of things I wanted to um, sort of ask you I'd, I'd got one here which I'd written down was perfection or imperfection I think we've covered that yeah. I think well a bit of both because I think you are a perfectionist too because I remember um, you checking the CDs that they were uh, when they were put into the um, CD cases that they all had to be perfectly in the right yeah, shape. Yeah, I think that, um, and I like that attention to detail. So now I am making sure that we're, how the CDs are put into the dual cases. Wow, the right, the some, right way up to work. Poor person. I mean, I, is it done by a machine or a person? I've no a idea. Person. That is a person. Uh, yeah. yeah, and we, uh, we, we just made their life a misery. <laughs> we will interview Trevor. This is Trevor Taylor of uh, FMR Records, and he's been. Uh, that will be a future guest on the show. Right. So, uh, and, uh, and Trevor's an, another creative force. and uh, He's literally a one-man band who Future Music Records has supported so much of uh, uh, quartet releases and also music on the edge. So I'll get you together at some stage. Right. That'll be fun. And, um, yeah, we talked about the streaming. And the last thing is, are you a podist or a podent? Uh, I hate to say... Yeah, I don't. I miss them most of the time. Do you? But you're yeah. allowed to download them. You know, as a podcast, yeah, that's I, YouTube. And do you not down? So you're a podent at the moment. I'm, yeah, yeah. I I listen to the radio sometimes. Lovely. So what? What radio? St- I was going to then ask. Were you a Radio Three or Radio Four? Or I switched between the two. Is it? I, I didn't know if you. I thought didn't know you had to pledge allegiance to one. No, you're absolutely. You don't. No, there's no have to in this. Yeah. I mean, these are. <laughs> It's, so it's great that you've actually featured on a podcast as a podent. <laughs> right. yeah, but um, that's absolutely fine. But I will send this to you so you, you can subscribe to it. Uh, right, and, uh, good. I'll be it'll be out there ashamed. on iTunes. It's under Music on the Edge. And anyone else listening in, well, that must mean they've already subscribed to it. Actually, I have listened to a podcast. I've just remembered. I've listened to the St. Vincent podcast. St. Vincent podcast. Yeah. Okay, there you are. So, uh, well, that's great. Um, and maybe we can tempt you into this dangerous place of yeah. uh, being podist. Right. Yeah, I don't know. But, um, a podster. A podster, yeah. Um, and so watch this space. But um, if, you, if people have enjoyed listening to this, please send a like on iTunes, give a lovely review. And I just want to say, Fraser Mar, thank you very much thank for, you for having uh, giving me. some free time in, uh, in your supper break most of my work time most of my time is free time free time <laughs> and most of ours is free form <laughs> and uh, 
and pro is now we've got to sort of retire. Is it your usual? So we've just got to go for a pint, a pint of uh, London Pride, and maybe a maybe a nice whiskey just to help that. Wow. Will that will that help? Is that what you usually drink? Oh no, I should. I thought I'd turn this off. Okay, <laughs> no, Fraser. Thanks for joining Thank us in this special place, and um, see you soon. <laughs>